welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we kind of have a special episode for you. We give out some awards each year because AGLCA really could not exist without some special groups of people who help us out quite a bit. And we like to recognize those people at our events. And at this coming week's Fall Rendezvous, we'll be giving away our Sponsor of the Year Award. And we'll be giving away the Ron and Epistab Volunteer of the Year Award. So today I'm going to introduce you to the winners of those awards for this year. Before I bring them into the conversation, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, I want to officially introduce our Sponsor of the Year winner. It is Delaware City Marina. And with us today is Tim Conkus from Delaware City. So Tim, thank you so much for being with us today and congratulations on the award. Thank you very much, Kim. We are thrilled to be honored by your organization with such a beautiful award. Yeah, and for those who um, don't know how this works, we've been giving this away for, I think this is the fifth year of the Sponsor of the Year Award, but we asked our membership for nominations and then we take the nominations and put out a list of finalists and then members vote, vote among the finalists for the winner. So that is how uh, Tim came to be joining us today and how the entire team at Delaware City won the Sponsor of the Year designation for this year. I just want to read what was submitted by one of the people who nominated Delaware City for the award. What they said was, Tim and his staff have provided an incredible service for loopers, not only in what he does, but how freely he teaches all who pass through the marina. His daily briefings on weather and evaluating travel conditions are invaluable, not only for the information provided, but how he teaches loopers to use information available that will stand them in good stead in all their cruising. Beyond the briefings, his assistance docking and boat handling instructions in the currents, which you have there at Delaware City, make a visit to Delaware City a great learning opportunity. So that is what was said um, on that lovely nomination form that we received. And I had the pleasure of visiting Delaware City Marina on my own loop this year. And it can wholeheartedly attest to everything that was mentioned <laughs> in that. So let's learn a little bit, you know, Tim, if you could tell us about yourself and the team there at Delaware City and how you came to be responsible for Delaware City Marina. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I have always been a lifelong sailor, now power boater. And um, when I retired from the military service, I decided I wanted to spend my time on the water. And so about 25 years ago, we started with our first marina and then a second marina and then this marina. As you can imagine, three marinas at one time was a bit too much to handle. That's a lot. So my admiral said, you got to do something. So we sold two of them. She loved this town. And that's where we ended up in beautiful Delaware City Marina. We purchased it, I think, in 2008. 2008, we purchased mm -hmm. it and have been here happy ever since. Well, and boaters are happy that you're there as well, because there are some special things that go on there at Delaware City Marina. Besides it being a great facility with a well-stocked um, parts there, you know, we were able to pick up a few things we needed. But the fact that you kind of approach things differently 
is evident from the time you arrive. So one of the things that is interesting and I think is depending on what the current is doing at that particular time, but because there is a current that runs through there pretty swiftly, you and your dock staff turn the boats around when needed um, to point them the right direction into the current. And it's quite an operation and it's something that I had not seen a marina really um, go out of their way so much to do before. So explain what that's all about because I did a very well, poor job of it. <laughs> we No, we do have a current that alternates direction. We are on the original C&D Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. It was hand dug 1824-1829. And when it was dug, it was not a sea level canal, but it had four locks on that canal. So the water didn't move. In 1919, when the, when the government took it over and rebuilt the today's CND Canal, uh, they made it a, a sea level canal. So the water started moving in both directions with each tidal flow. And um, that tidal flow is normally about two and a half, two knots to two and a half knots. On a day like today, uh, with the winds and everything else, it can, be, it can be a bit more. And what we quickly realized with our guest boaters, where they were completely not expecting that type of current when they pulled in. And so we have, over the time, decided how to uh, best handle it so that all the guests can be relaxed when they turn around in the current. Mm -hmm. The whole secret of the thing is making <laughs> sure the guests are relaxed. You know, sometimes they get on edge. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> After a beautiful day on the water, they might get on edge. And the last thing we want them to do is to be upset over having to spin the boat around in that current in the 120 foot wide waterway with a bridge at the end. Right. And, and that's kind of the kicker in that bridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, well, it used to be even more fun because we used to have a power line that was at 50 foot. So we had to put all the sailboats up at one dock. We've had those power lines down since 2010. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was very exciting. And what we use is a system called warping. And what I mentioned to people who find it interesting is that if you read uh, uh, the uh, Forrester novels, every time he comes out of the Admiralty, his boat is turned around. And in one of the books that went into great depth, about how he turned around in a process called warping, which is you can use anchors to do it. You can use other things. We tend to use our cleats on the dock as the fulcrum point and then spin the boat around in the current. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is an interesting process. It's interesting to see. Um, I think boaters who perhaps are not expecting it and are not used to um, following directions <laughs> real well. <laughs> are probably the ones that struggle a little bit and probably you struggle with as well, Tim. And the day we came in, there were a couple of boats that um, seemed a little bit uh, befuddled by the process. Um, but as soon as they turned it over to you, um, everything worked out just fine. And you're right, it's a, it's a tense time. Docking is probably the most you know stressful time of the day on the water. And on the loop, you're always pulling into marinas that you're not familiar with. Um, so if you're headed to Delaware City Marina, just trust him and his staff they know what they're doing with turning the boat around. You know, Kim, you hit the nail on the head. There are some people who are just able to follow instructions and there's others 
who have a, a, a fear of it, a fear of the unknown, a fear that they won't get it right, a fear of what you're trying to do. And we try to assess each of our guests from the moment they make a reservation to the point where they call us by the telephone mm -hmm. to the point where they call us on the radio. That's all by design so that we can more or less assess their comfort level with their boat and the waters that they're in and with the instructions they're getting over the VHF or the telephone. Mm -hmm. But that was very interesting that you hit uh, on the ability to follow instructions. Well, and it, um, your process of, as you said, you're starting to assess that from the first contact with the boater, which I wasn't aware of, um, but that shows through to why you've been selected as sponsor of the year, because that kind of attention to detail and really trying to assess what each individual boater needs is really what sets you apart um, from so many of the marinas out there. So for those who haven't boated in current a whole lot, just explain kind of the basics of why you're turning the boat around. Is it to have the nose into the current? Is it to make it easier for the boater when they're leaving? Um, are you always turning them or just when the current is running in a specific direction? Uh, the current will alternate here, but when you depart, you want to depart uh, out the same way you came. Mm -hmm. And of course, what that does is uh, we've got to get you turned around. And so we almost always want to turn somebody when they arrive from a starboard side tie to their port side tie, mm -hmm. except for those boats that cannot take a uh, uh, and cannot live on a on a port side tie for the night. And there are several of them. Right. For instance, some of the manufacturers just don't provide them an easy exit, <laughs> an easy exit from the starboard side. Right. Well, and it, it is, um, you know, hopefully those listening, when they come and visit you, they'll be expecting this, uh, because I think the, the first point of befuddlement for some is they know they're going to be doing a side tie and they're coming in and the dock is on their starboard and you're telling them to set up for a port tie. And I think, you know, from there people go, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's exactly. Yes. And exactly. Um, like I said, just trust in Tim and his, his staff. They know what they're doing. There's a, a method behind the madness. Um, and it was just really an interesting process because you will initially um, pull up on your starboard side to the dock. You'll, um, th then you'll let Tim and, and his staff do the work. You're not going to be handling the boat while they're turning it around. They're doing it for you with a combination of the cleats and the lines. And it's, it's really just a unique fun thing to see. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's part of the, the charm of coming to beautiful Delaware City is that you can get warped right at our dock. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love that. But the other thing that um, people tend to mention repeatedly is the weather briefing that you do. And I know I came to the weather briefing a little bit apprehensive because Michael has done the loop and had been telling me for, oh, about five years that the worst weather, the worst conditions he encountered um, was on Delaware Bay. And you're positioned right before boaters are heading out into Delaware Bay. So you're the perfect stop to kind of give a weather briefing on what to expect out there. Um, so, I get seasick. <laughs> I'm not a fan of, of any kind of condition. What is comfortable for most people is not comfortable for me. So besides that, I had been hearing years of the horror story of um, the perch and one-eyed dog on Delaware Bay. So I came to your briefing um, and left there with my mind pretty well at ease. So talk a little bit about the kinds of things that you cover at your briefing. 
Well, the, the, it's a captain's meeting because we have captains of all different types uh, of experience and all different types of boats. And so to get the captains up here just before they go down the Delaware Bay, which, as you mentioned, can whip up into some pretty serious conditions. Um, and so we, we get up here and what we want to do is make sure that they're comfortable with winds and that they know what the currents will be when they try to go out into the bay and into the river. We try to get them so that they'll take maximum advantage of the ebb tide in the river portion of their travels and not worry about whatever the current is going to be doing uh, when they come out of that river travel and into the Delaware Bay. Because it's those river currents that are so swift and can either help you or and get you done in the six to eight hour day, or it can make you a 10 to 12 hour day and really frustrating. And on top of it, if the winds are against the current, that's when that divorce attorney comes in handy. <laughs> By the time you get to Cape May and you've been fighting the wind against current on that bay, it's a very shallow bay. Uh, oftentimes people don't talk to one another. Husbands and wives don't talk to one another. Do you know that? Occasionally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> so we want to make sure that they're aware of how to take the advantage of the current, how to make sure that their ride is smooth, understand the size of the sea that they might, might be facing uh, if everything works for them and, and if everything works against them, and then how to take advantage of it and what time they should depart and then the departure ritual at the dock, you know, loopers. Mm -hmm. If you're not walking that dock at 5 a.m., then there's something the matter. So everybody <laughs> right. wants to take off at first light. And oftentimes taking off at first light at 5.10, 5.15 in the morning will get you on the water quicker, but it won't get you to the destination any quicker than if you took off at 7.15. And so we like to reason through that with them. Right, because Those of that current, and, and you did exactly that with our group. Um, we were very fortunate to have the current running with us to make it a, a short trip. Um, but one of the things that forced me to learn even more from your meeting was that you really don't tell people, okay, tomorrow's a good day, you should go. You give them the information and let them make that call, which is really what it's all about for every captain to make that call on their own. Um, you know, we had the current in our favor, the wind forecast, as you showed us where we could check ourselves, um, specific to Delaware Bay. We all have apps and resources that we use for weather all the way around the loop. But when you get to certain bodies of water, there are additional resources and Delaware Bay is one of them. And you showed us where to find that. Um, and I have shared this with lots of people. I, and I will never forget this. The conditions look good. And then you said, but just so you know, if things change, you could have have a death-defying end to your trip. <laughs> and I went, what on earth? And then you explained to us what you meant by that. And in Delaware Bay, if the wind is coming from a certain direction, the fetch is almost limitless. Um, and in our case, if it shifted just a small amount, that would have been the case. The forecasts were not calling for it to do that. And you showed us that very clearly. Um, but you said, here's the what if. You gave us several different bailout points if the what if did happen, which was extremely helpful in just giving um, me in particular 
the peace of mind that, okay, if we get out there and it's not as we expected, we have options. Um, but second, you know, those, those words very much stuck with me, but partly <laughs> because it forced me to consider it and look at it. And what we decided was the forecast was as close to ideal as you could probably get. And if we were going to wait because of that possibility that it would change, we were probably never going to leave. <laughs> never going to get out. That's because right. Because the forecast doesn't get to looking much better than it was predicted. And there's always that chance that something could change. But your meeting forced me in particular, you know, it was earlier in my loop. And um, it forced me to kind of walk through those steps in the decision making and saying, okay, death defying is not what I'm looking for. Right. But is there ever there really is never a day that you know the forecast is going to stick so you have to go with what's a good forecast and move on i learned that from you so thank you for that well thank you and and you know what you mentioned about the differences uh, uh that i don't tell anybody when they can go mm -hmm. on purpose because everybody has different experience levels and everyone has different votes and you've got to see by the time they've taken the instruction on how to get in how to get to the dock you know how that person is one with their boat or they might be a little bit at odds with their boat mm -hmm. and it's that person that on a day that's not perfect the fellow who is at odds with his boat he should know that that probably is not going to be a good day for him to head down this bay mm -hmm. and that's what we encourage him to to think about their strengths without saying that mm -hmm. think about their boat strengths without saying that. So you, you ma'am, are very perceptive. Well, I have learned a lot uh, from listening to you. So um, really, and I, I think, um, you know, as you said, everybody's boat is different. Everybody's comfort, comfort level and experience level is different. Um, but it's that process of learning those things about yourself that I think is really <laughs> important for loopers to figure out as early on in the journey as possible. And that's why I think it's helpful you know, for people to have their boat for a, a year or so before taking off. I was very fortunate to be climbing aboard a boat that, and with a captain who had already done the loop. So I, I was behind on my learning curve um, and, you know, probably didn't feel like I had too much to worry about because I had somebody who knew what he was doing. <laughs> so I never quite had that brand new looper um, apprehension in the way that uh, when two people aboard the boat are kind of new to the whole thing. Um, but your style of, of teaching is really more of kind of a, a coaching and obviously loopers have appreciated that because you are our sponsors of the year. Um, so thank you for all you've done to support loopers and to support AGLCA and just know that we appreciate you. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, just on behalf of everybody here at Delaware City Marina, we are thankful to have loopers stop by and for the organization and most of all for the presentation of this beautiful award that uh, is near and dear to our hearts. Thank you very much, Kim. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for all you do. The award is well-earned. I encourage everyone to visit Delaware City on their loop. Um, you've learned today why Delaware City Marina is kind of a must-stop, but the city itself is lovely. Lots of history there, um, a really neat fort visit, and the whole area kind of across the, the water from the marina was fascinating to me. I took a walk over there and, and saw a lot of that history there. So definitely check out Delaware City. We'll have to have you come back another time, Tim, to talk about the city itself since today we focused on the marina. But it was a really enjoyable stop. And thank you and the entire crew at Delaware City Marina for welcoming loopers. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And come on back again. I, I absolutely will.
Uh, we're going to take a break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we will introduce our Volunteer of the Year Award winners. So we'll be back in a moment. Life is better by the Bay. Here in Panama City, Florida, we have deep blue water surrounded by arts and culture. We love our historic neighborhoods, southern coastal cuisine, and the songs and stories of our locals. And we're sure you will, too. If you're traveling along America's Great Loop, drop your anchor at St. Andrew's Bay in Panama City and enjoy easy access to waterfront restaurants and shopping, a favorite among loopers. Land or water, you're going to love it here. Visit DestinationPanamaCity.com and learn more. Welcome back. Today on Great Loop Radio, we are featuring some of our award winners that we will be honoring at the Fall Rendezvous next week. And for this segment, we are going to introduce you to our Ron and Eva Staub Volunteer of the Year Award winners. And that is Dave and Claudia Fuller. Dave and Claudia, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. So before we really jump in, I want to explain to everyone what this award is and how the two of you came to be the recipients for this year. Ron and Eva Staub, of course, are the founders of AGLCA. And at the 20th anniversary of the association, we really wanted to um, find a lasting way to give back to them. So we created this Ron and Eva Staub Volunteer of the Year Award. They were its first recipients. And this is an award that the home crew, the home port crew actually selects the recipients every year. Our other awards members vote on. This one, we decided it made the most sense for the home port crew to select this because we see what's happening behind the scenes. And a lot of our, our volunteers um, are pretty humble about it and really don't share with everybody else what is actually happening. So I am thrilled that Dave and Claudia Fuller are the winners this year. It was an easy choice for the home park crew and just to share a few of the things, and this will probably embarrass them, but a few of the things that they do that many of you probably don't realize. Many of you have met them as presenters at our events and they are always willing and uh, very readily come to just about wherever we ask them to, to share their experience and their knowledge. Um, and I know that they enjoy that and they'll tell you that, but it's still a lot of effort on their part to do that and we greatly appreciate it. But beyond that, um, they have this year that the logistics of some of our events are a little bit more challenging with me being on the loop. And they have uh, schlepped some of our audiovisual equipment from multiple places, really kind of around the country this year. And they, they took it with them when they left Fort Myers after our winter rendezvous in January, they drove it to Houston, um, which is where they are at the time being with their boat and their family. Um, kept it there until an event we were holding in Houston, and then continued to store it for us and drove it to the spring rendezvous in Norfolk. So um, that is, of course, above and beyond. But in addition to that, as if that wasn't enough, um, Claudia really does a lot to mentor some of the reluctant spouses out there. Um, she's always, you'll find her at our events, putting people's mind at ease about how she adapted to looping. Um, Dave has written many articles for the Great Loop Link, including one in last month's issue that we gave him, oh, just a few days notice uh, when something else fell through and he quickly put together a first class piece for us. And those of you attending the rendezvous will um, find out pretty quickly that one of our speakers had to cancel due to an injury. And Dave and Claudia have picked up that route briefing as well. So. As if they hadn't done enough, um, they are providing an extra route briefing at this session. And for anyone who has not presented um, a session like that, it generally takes about um, eight hours of preparation, just kind of on average, 
for every one hour of pre presentation time. And I think all told, Dave is doing, oh, let's see, is it four hours of <laughs> presenting um, between the three sessions he's doing, Dave and Claudia are doing. So um, this is a couple that has given so much to AGLCA. And because they give so much to AGLCA, it allows us to provide a lot of content and a lot of pres uh, presentations and really good uh, seminars to all of you. So with that long-winded intro, but all of it very deserved, Dave and Claudia, um, congratulations on being the Ron and Nevastab Award winners this year. Well, thank you very much. It's a real honor and humbling at the same time. Well, and it's well-deserved and um, certainly earned. So for those who don't know you yet at this point, though, tell us a little bit about what made you two decide to take off on the Great Loop. Well, strangely enough, until 2009, we didn't even know there was such thing as the Great Loop. I went on a business trip up into Illinois, and while there, I met a guy named Al Darilius, and he had just bought a trawler, and he was showing people the picture of his new-to-him boat, like grandmothers show pictures of their babies. <laughs> and uh, so I finally went over to Al and said, what is that? And I'm expecting a fishing boat. And he shows me this big honking huge yacht. And I said, why did you buy that? And he says, oh, to do America's Great Loop. And so that kind of birthed our knowledge of it. And then we started really looking into it and finally decided it was something that it would be fun to do in retirement. And we started pursuing that goal. Yeah. And you have since um, earned the platinum, Virgie. Um, tell us, your boat is still waters too. Tell us about the boat. What kind of boat is she? And why did you pick her? Well, our perfect loop boat is a 1981 aft cabin cruiser. Uh, it's two staterooms, two heads, galley down. But we didn't know anything about buying a big boat. And so we didn't know a whole lot about that. But the most important thing to my first class passenger was a sun deck. She is a, per <laughs> a porch person. And so we bought a boat that would have a big sun deck so she could enjoy the the sun and cruise around and enjoy the waterway. Yeah. So that's why we ended up with that. Mm -hmm. And and Dave, you just referred to Claudia as your first class passenger. So that is a title Claudia has become known for among loopers. But Claudia, tell us how that came about. Actually, quite naturally. Uh, I have a life motto that is enjoy where you're at. That doesn't always mean that you you know, like where you're at and what you're doing, but you choose to enjoy where you're at. But fortunately for us, very quickly, uh, we discovered that we absolutely love boating and the boating lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he also has another name for me. It's called Miscomfort. And uh, I have no problem owning up to both of these titles. <laughs> uh, but we were just cruising one day and in the helm and uh being the excellent captain he is he came up with yet another boat chore and you know kind of insinuated that i might want to do that and i said no no thank you and i said <laughs> and and i'm striving to be a first class passenger and we laughed you know I said, funny, huh? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm serious. <laughs> I said, I know that being a crew of two, that I'm going to have to do some things, you know, but let's keep it at a minimum. 
<laughs> I was serious then and I'm serious now. And he just needs to take on some more chores so I can completely uh, be a success at that. <laughs> I strive to be a first class passenger, but unfortunately with a crew of two, I, I'm not quite where I'd like to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, Claudia, you've done a great job of inspiring others to aspire to be first class passengers <laughs> on the loop as well. Um, but all joking aside, I know from talking with the two of you, Claudia, you know, you, you can drive the boat um, because, you know, that's important should something happen to Dave. But so how did you get comfortable with that? You have a big boat. Um, how did you get comfortable to the point that you know you can handle it in an emergency situation? Uh, very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. I uh, was focused on what I needed to do starting out in this lifestyle. And I just would, you know, watch David, listen to him. And being the first class passenger, he pretty much does everything, you know since uh -huh. you know i don't <laughs> so i just watch him i'd watch him in action and uh captain chris and elise actually uh, made arrangements for us to work with a very capable uh very good captain named jeff gal and when we started out and jeff was on board they would just david and him would talk 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 and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't even know what they were talking about <laughs> i mean i had to learn what the terminology was uh -huh. so um but um not sure that i'm ever comfortable piloting the boat because all boaters know that anything can go awry at any time in a split second. Um, but I am comfortable with my boating skills thus far. Uh, and I want to achieve more and I certainly need to practice more. Um, it probably would not be pretty, but I could handle the boat by myself if I had to. Mm -hmm. And that's really what counts. I mean, you don't need to be able to um, expertly back it into a slip um, in the midst of, you know, a, a rushing current, um, just be able to touch it to a tea head, get it close enough to throw somebody a line. <laughs> um, but, you know, for, for the other women out there or men in that situation where they're just, um, you know, one of the people aboard is the primary pilot of the boat, it's just important that they know they can at least get it to where they can get some help if needed. And I know, Claudia, from talking to you that you are at that point and comfortable with that. And I appreciate your um, sincerity about, you know, sharing that it's not something you're completely comfortable with and that you're, you know, still learning and still wanting to learn. And that's great because you two have cruised, you know, obviously you enjoy the lifestyle. It's been, um, gosh, I, I, you did say when you bought the boat, but I've already misplaced that <laughs> fact in my head. Um, but tell us, you know, how many years has it been? I know you've been around the loop multiple times, but you've also done just about every side trip there is to do. Um, so what's the total miles you've done on Stillwaters 2? So we've been cruising since living aboard since 2015. And as you said, we did, uh, you know, two loops and you take that. We've also done the down east loop. So with those three trips, it added up quite a bit. But we put 35,000 uh, miles under our keel so far and have had a blast. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and like I said, Dave and Claudia have done just about every 
side trip you can do. And Dave, you once shared with me, um, you know, kind of how you look at that and, and why you do all the side trips. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. What is it that, you know, how did you look at the full loop and, and the side trips as a kind of a pathway? Well, I think we kind of kind of like learning about the loop. It was accidental, but since we didn't get on board the boat in Fort Myers till June of 2015, we decided it was kind of too late to really go around and make the North journey. And so we just took our time up the East Coast. And then as we started going up, uh, you know, we got to the Albemarle Sound and we did the Albemarle Loop. We went out to the Outer Banks. We went up to Washington, D.C. We went up to Philadelphia that first summer. And we just fell in love, you know, the we kind of used the loop as the merry-go-round to go explore other areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really been neat because you get a little off the beaten path and it, it's a different experience, you know, and every experience is different. And we just kind of, again, fell in love with, you know, it's neat to do the loop, but to see some of these other things, like when we went to the Outer Banks, we rented a Jeep, went up the coast and got to go see Kitty Hawk. And, you know, I've always been enamored by the, the Wright brothers. So it was neat to be able to use the loop as a platform to go do that. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about the way you two have done this. Um, and that's some of the articles you've written for the Great Loop Link have not so much been about the boating part of it, although you have contributed lots of that. Um, but you've also written articles of, you know, the, about Sleepy Hollow and the train trip in Lake Superior and things that people, you know, it's great to, inspire and encourage people to take that time off the boat to really explore these areas that you may not get back to. Um, so that's one of the things that I love about the way you two cruise as well. Um, so I hope you're not going to mind me bringing this up, but you know, beyond the volunteering for AGLCA itself, um, Dave and Claudia have done so much for their fellow loopers. Um, and if you are willing, if you would share um, your story um, about helping the blind looper. <laughs> well, uh, one of our side trips uh, in 2018, when we were doing our second loop, this gentleman I mentioned earlier, Al Dorelius, we had actually, uh, they were doing their first loop while we were doing our second one. And we had agreed that we would meet up on the Illinois River. And then we would go up the upper Mississippi together all the way to the end of navigation. And so unfortunately, you know, people always argue about which side to go down Lake Michigan. That year we went down the Michigan side and Al and Ruth went down the Wisconsin side, but the weather was really weird that year and they got stuck north of Milwaukee and we waited for about a week in Grafton and they could not get there. They never, we were going up the upper Mississippi River and they were still north of Milwaukee and just couldn't get to Chicago. So, you know, every year is different, but so we, we made our way up to, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul had turned around and we're coming back south and the uh, Mississippi got into flood state and the water was actually going over the top of the locks and we got stuck up there for two weeks. And while we were waiting, we were uh, waiting for the, to open the waterway back up and we were at a marina and this couple came by and asked if, uh, well, it was actually Mary, it wasn't the couple, but asked if we were Dave and Claudia. Well, yes, how do you know us? Oh, y'all are part of the AGLCA. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, so they had just left from Red Wing, and she said, "My husband's blind, and he would love to meet you." So I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I walked over to their boat, introduced myself to the real life Captain Dan, and we just really hit it off. And uh, 
So we kind of started cruising with them when the locks came back open and worked our way down the upper Mississippi, got our all the way to Paducah. And that year we were actually going to go down the lower Mississippi. You'd mentioned the side trips. That's about the only waterway we haven't been on now. Uh-huh. And it was tear jerking moments of trying to decide, do we go down, our, do what we want to do? Or do we stay with uh, Mary and Dan? And we finally decided, you know, that, hey, we would commit to them to get them across the Gulf. And uh, uh, yeah, and that's really um, a moving story. And it's about loopers helping loopers um, because you found found them. <laughs> they found you um, right <laughs> at the start of their loop and you took them under your wing and realized that um, they may need a little bit of extra help or just even a little bit of extra looking out for um, along the way. And, and you changed your plans and, and had a blast, I know, um, and really enjoyed their company, but, you know, did what you felt was the right thing to do for the Looper community and for Dan and Mary. And they've been on the podcast. So if anybody has not um, heard their story, um, definitely look that one up in the archives. Um, Yes, Dan is blind and um, Mary tells him how to drive the boat and where to put the boat. (laughs) Um, Not many couples I think could accomplish that. So they are an amazing um, amazing couple and, and had the um, pleasure of being under the wing of the Fullers for a little while there. Um, but I also know that they're not the only ones that you have helped across the Gulf and you have shared other stories of, of people who were um, literally so nervous about the Gulf crossing, they got themselves into such a tizzy that they were physically ill enough to be in a hospital. Um, and I don't know if you want to share that story. Um, you don't have to use names, of course, but um, you know, how you, I mean, you're welcome to use names if you choose, (laughs) Um, but you know, how you kind of encouraged them and and made it work so that they and their boat could reach the other side. Well, we were at Orange Beach and uh, this was on, I guess our first loop. Yeah, it was our first loop. So that had been 2016. And uh, we got to Orange Beach and we met a fella on another Viking. His was a 48 footer, ours 43. And we were talking with them and, and hit it off with them. We had met him actually at Trenton, but uh, Grace wasn't on the boat, but Roger was. Uh, so this was the first time we had actually met Grace, but she was so paranoid about crossing the Gulf that uh, she ended up putting herself in the hospital and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Roger's going to visit her and Claudia has a pretty good antenna on what's going on with boats. And so uh, she finally said one day, she goes, Dave, the only thing wrong with Grace is she's worried about crossing the, the Gulf. And I said, oh, really? So we started talking about it. And we finally agreed between ourselves that we would cross the Gulf and then rent a car, come back and get Grace. And then Claudia could drive Grace around and I just go back across with Roger. And so once we kind of got that plan together, we approached Roger about it. And he was kind of floored, said, you would really do that? Oh, yeah, we'd do that for you. <clears throat> and so uh, he went to the hospital that evening, told Grace, and Grace called Claudia back on the phone from the hospital and uh, asked, would you really do that? And she goes, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And so that was our plan. We would go across on the first weather window. And in the second weather window, we'd come, you know, we'd stay there at Tarpon Springs. And I'd go across with uh, Roger and Claudia would uh, drive race around. But uh, as it happened, the very next morning, we get a phone call from Roger and he says, hey, the strangest thing has happened. 
Grace is all well and they're discharging her from the hospital. <laughs> and so we went down to Carabell together and uh, we got situated. The first crossing was coming up and the weather was just drop dead perfect, smooth as glass. And kind of at the captain's meeting, Grace said, well, if it's going to be this, I think I can do that. And she ended up going across. And right before they launched, she got out into the Gulf. When you go past the last green marker, they're out of Carabelle. And she took a picture and sent it to Claudia. And it was just glass. Mid she goes, I can't believe I was worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. And there's a couple of things that I just love about that story. Um, one is, you know, loopers are some of the most helpful and giving people you can imagine. But Dave and Claudia, it really is above and beyond to be willing to cross your own boat, drive back, um, and then Dave for you to help another boat cross while Claudia, you, um, you know, take the person who was really concerned about it by car. Way above and beyond. But I also love that story because I've heard so many cases where somebody was apprehensive about a part of the loop. And just giving them a simple out of some sort seems to be enough to, um, you know, kind of snap them out of that complete fear and actually go and do it. So for those who maybe are kind of apprehensive or have a spouse who is, whether it's about the golf crossing or the loop in general, you know, look for that, um, that out, that comfort, that comfort level. Um, sometimes that all, that's all it takes to get somebody kind of that nudge that they really need to get going. And I've seen ladies at our reluctant spouse um, session who have sh shared that, you know, they were not interested in this great loop thing. They wanted to be with the grandkids. Um, and as soon as their husband said, anytime you want to stop, we will stop. We'll park the boat. You'll go see the grandkids and then you'll decide if we're coming back or not. And she said, that was all I needed was just that knowing I had that out. And she's like, I never stopped to see the grandkids. We were having the time of our life. <laughs> um, so really the story you shared, Dave and Claudia, really exemplifies that same principle that if you know you have an out, which they're all over the loop, um, it, it can make it a different trip. Um, so I love what you shared today. Um, I hope you don't didn't mind me putting you on the spot and bragging on you a little bit with the at least two boats, and that's just the ones I know of, um, that you really took under your wing and, and helped them substantially to where both of those boats are gold loopers now. Um, so thank you and congratulations to you. Obviously a very well-earned and deserved award. Uh, congratulations, the Ron and Evastav Volunteer of the Year Award winners, Dave and Claudia Fuller. Well, thank you very much for the kind words, Kim. And uh, we, we love what we do and uh, it, we get more reward out of giving back than we get from, you know, from just being a member. So we'll continue to do it. Well, we are thankful for that and we greatly appreciate it. So um, hugs to you both. We'll see you in um, Paris Landing State Park in Tennessee next week where you'll be presenting two route briefings and a Looping 101 session. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And to everyone who's watched and listened to this week, we'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Uh -huh.